This isn't the first time that I've debated whether or not to make a recording, a podcast of my thoughts about a particular event that I'd gone to. I had uh, already recorded a previous episode about this. Now, the reason I'm saying this is because this episode is about my time having gone to the exhibit that came to Union Station for Auschwitz. Now, you're probably wondering, okay, well, you know, um, why is that Why is that something you're, you're going to cover here? You know, this is granted a fairly um, offbeat kind of podcast where the, the themes shift, you know, every season that I've made it. And some have been just plain cringy awkwardness to, you know, experimental to, you know, just normal run of the bill, not big deal sort of stuff. But at its heart, it's always been about what art and a creative factor is in life. And um, when I went to uh, when I went to this, I didn't really know what to expect. Okay, so uh, well, okay, so you can tell you can totally tell how disheveled and my mindset I am over this. I haven't even introduced myself. Hi, I'm Mario the Artisan Rogue, and this is Radio Seventy Four. This is a podcast I do, single person effort, where I'm just basically making a record of the things that I think about, what my thoughts are for posterity, for myself, and for anyone that cares to listen. So for those of you that do listen, thank you very much. Okay, so getting back to this. Um, all right, and uh, if I seem a little hesitant, it's because even after having gone to it a few weeks ago, it still is carrying a lot of mental weight inside of me, as it should, right? Um, so I, I had the... Um, I, I had no real idea what I was going to be encountering when I went in there. And I know what the concentration camps were. Um, when I was younger, I and I, anyone who's been listening to these or read my bio on my page or anything knows that I had grown up for a few years living overseas in Italy. Now, we had had the opportunity at one point to go to Germany to go to Auschwitz, but for some reason, I don't remember if my parents just didn't want to go or something else came up. We never did end up going. So this is a circumstance where, you know, I, you hear about it, you see movies, you, you know, in some history books that you might read or pick up, there are always resources that will talk about it. But going to this was like no other experience I'd had. Now, Again, I can definitely tell you that if you ever have the opportunity to do this while it's here in Kansas City, go to it. From what I understand, it's going back overseas to Europe, and that's done for the United States for now. It was extended until March, so I think we've like got another month and a half or so that you can go and see this. But I'm going to approach this from a couple of different angles. The first one I want to talk about is that the overall presentation and interaction of it is phenomenally well put together for some of these things that I've attended. There'll be circumstances where, you know, you're kind of just, and this was a similar facet for this. 
you go there and you sort of interact by, you know, reading a lot of the stuff that's in there or just kind of appreciating what the overall setup and creative endeavor for putting the whole show together is. This was one where they gave you a um, these little headphones and then a little iPod-like device that was very simplistic in its touchscreen effort, but it would um, it would align itself with a lot of different things, video and other stuff that was in this exhibit. You could hit play and it would sync up pretty automatically, and you might have to wait a few seconds, but you could get right back in the flow and you know listen to the audio from films and from news excerpts and things like that. The exhibit from a design standpoint was laid out really well it went on for quite a while for quite a while and i don't mean that from a boredom standpoint that was <laughs> that's not what i'm saying i just was really surprised with how much they managed to get in there it was a lot of information to take in a lot of stories to to really live through and a lot of later in the second half of it a lot more items that were from there and personal objects to actual pylons that were part of the fence that kept people in to things like desks, a lonely little shoe, um, some private articles of uh, clothing, a shaving, you know, beard brush, stuff like that, that they had on display there. The, I was really impressed by the way that they handled it. It did have a somber feeling to it. Of course it did. Just from the sheer subject matter, that would be, at least in my thought process, that would be an overwhelming thing to try and and go through. You know, to try and figure out, well, how do I present this respectably? How do I present this historically and correctly? And how else do I also make it something that is accessible for people to be able to truly understand what transpired. Now, again, I was always a uh, historical nut, you know, as far as like reading about World War One, two things like that. And a lot of that was through the eyes of being a child. So you're enamored with the idea of like these, you know, tanks and planes and all these other th sorts of things and you know i grew up playing games like risk and you know i had little plastic toy soldiers who didn't but there's a whole nother thing a whole nother facet to it that this brought out and it's something that as i've gotten older i've wanted to really become much more knowledgeable about and uh and I think the show did a really good job doing this. You know, it, it presented the information in a lot of really good ways. The graphics, the photography, the, the overall presentation was top notch. Where it really got to me was, and this is inherently, you know, the exhibit had these components in there. There were a lot of um, things like there were desks and, I, you know, um, a bunk bed that was from Auschwitz. Uh, there were other elements in there that were encased in acrylic cases. And you could you know, look at these things and, and see a lot in there. And it hit me how when people will often say, you know, that there's uh that there's no need for art or for creative endeavors, this entire, this entire show, this exhibit really nailed it as to why we needed it. So let me get into that part. You see, first of all, the unfortunate truth is that 
we as a human race usually have to have things told to us either and this is a terrible way to put this but either compellingly or in an entertaining way to hold our to hold our attention yes there are certain things you can dig into and dive into and some people might think you know oh my god that is the most boring or i don't want to know or it's horrific or it's terrifying or whatever um i can utilize one of my hobbies as an example i love everything that is about the company the video game company sega um, I have an incredible backlog of material and like old newspaper articles and like weird collectibles and things like that. I, you know, I, that's something that I, I always loved and I, th- and I am a huge fan of that, but also beyond that, I'm interested in a lot more of the facets, like what is the history of the company? Where did the creative, you know, endeavors come from for this sort of thing? And I'm not comparing that at all to this. I'm saying that for anybody else, that would probably be mind-numbing. It doesn't matter what the subject matter is. If it's not presented in a palatable way for somebody, it can become either overwhelming, a little bit, uh, maybe even disingenuous, incorrect, or just uh, hard to process. And I remember reading and seeing that in the afterwards that when they were trying to do this exhibit for off switch, they wrestled with that very idea. Like, how do we do this? How do we put something together that at the exact same time doesn't glorify or minimize, but stands to tell the story as blatantly and as truthfully as possible with the utmost respect and honor for those that were lost, that were murdered but also to give a full faceted view as possible to the entire scenario and situation that played out over a long period of years. And certainly the show did a great job on its, uh, on its, on its face level doing that. When you took the time, you know, like I tend to think that, a lot of different creative facets come into things like storytelling and creative writing and oratory um, to the graphic design and the layout, even how one would go through the entire exhibit, what was on exhibit, what's curated in the exhibit, the upkeep of a lot of these artifacts of this, of this time to even how the marketing for it could go. But then there was a whole other avenue that I didn't really anticipate, and it hit harder than anything else. Now, this brings me to, I'm going to tell you this story to, before I jump into this part. And it all has to do with how people sometimes just don't really understand why the arts are a necessity. Okay? You see, I remember when I worked one night at uh, this bar, it was downtown Kansas City. And uh, it was late afterwards, and we had we'd already closed down everything, and they were laying out all the liquor bottles to, to count how much liquor was in each one or whatever and that sort of thing. And I had commented about how um, it's really wild that the, uh, the incredible amount of money spent on these labels for all of these liquors and everything. And somebody was like, what are you talking about? It's just a piece of paper. And I remember it turned into... I ended up getting home very late. <laughs> I ended up becoming... 
probably much to the annoyance of quite a few people there, uh, a really in-depth discourse about what that meant when they said that. I was like, no, people design these things. And it really hadn't dawned on them. I don't know where they thought the design came from. Now, we're just talking something about as, as banal and simple, and I mean no disrespect toward anybody that's designed those things. I've done them. But simply a label on a liquor bottle, right? But it isn't that simple. You see, that has to be the marketing that that gets people into an idea. If if it's Jack Daniels, it has an old standard look to it. It looks like something that, you know, is is very Tennessee whiskey and it's black and white printing and it's no frills. And then you have other stuff that either has embossing or hot foils applied to it or maybe a, a UV coat, you know, that makes something shiny on it or it's die cut in a particular way and the label just evokes a certain feeling or a mood. And when I went to this uh, exhibit, I remember getting to a point to where I started noticing the way that the first the first creative facet that really hit me was the news media and also propaganda. Now, when I'm reading it, I'm also realizing how things are laid out. Newspapers would have either huge you know, titles spanning multi-columns, covering an entire page, you know, the whole, you know, in the news, new news on the march kind of thing, you know, that, that whole thing going on. And, uh, I noticed that especially here in the United States, you know, there would be little stories about like, oh, this happened or this sort of thing. It was, oh, Poland was invaded, but those were smaller things because they were also dealing with like the stock market, which seemed more important and the manipulation of what the, the real estate on the page and how it commanded your attention could make a difference on how you might felt about something, right? Because if you, if you're already disappointed and upset about something going on with the stock market or something else going on or, or farmers in strife or whatever, but you may not pay as much attention to something happening literally a world away because it's not that big of a deal. It's a small little spot. That's it. it. It made the front cover or the front page, but it, it wasn't much more than a quarter of a column. And not too far from that display was another area that had, um, this is whenever the, the whole action was coming to bear. There was already an intense marketing program that was happening within Germany that was really laying blatant hatred upon anyone that they did not feel fit into the Aryan race. But they didn't really, you know, play it out that way. You could look at these, these, uh, to be completely honest, rather beautifully illustrated posters. I'm talking like massive, like good sized ones. I can only imagine if they had them in billboard size or something like that in Germany. But it showed how once, like the message was essentially once they got rid of, you know, anybody who wasn't this, the German people, that that life would be so much better. And it showed Germans in like convertibles and it showed Germans with these, these wonderful lives wearing the best of clothing and all these other things. Now, understand, if you know anything about your history, this is also propaganda that was born and illustrated to to reconstitute people's anger at the Treaty of Versailles, which was extremely harsh and to some degree, rightfully so, on Germany following the First War, the First World War. And so, but with all of these sanctions and issues and 
and things that were piled upon them, of course, that that document and how Germany was handled and what they ended up going through really affected the people there. And they were, you know, suffering from a lot of social implosion. Um, there was so much there that I learned about that. And I mean, truthfully, there is a lot of things, no war, no, no act of strife or, or anything like that ever is simple. It's never really down to one event. It's a multitude of things that will play out across a theater. And then you have a conflict and it can take years to rise and then suddenly happen. Well, in this circumstance, you know, I was trying to picture if I was a, a citizen of Germany walking around looking at these posters, what I would have felt like, how that would have imbibed me with anger and frustration and and a yearning to really want to follow these people that were promising me this, right? A better life, a better thing, if we could only get rid of these other undesirables. And I couldn't get over the fact that, in a lot of ways, that same sort of thing has been applied toward a lot of stuff today. And, and again, I am not drawing comparisons in any way shy of just saying that marketing is kind of scandalous in a lot of ways. It can create division. It can create a lot of people thinking, well, this one is better than this one when they might even be made by the same company, that sort of a thing. But this was a circumstance that very much was driven toward a cultural war. It was creating and, and if it didn't create it, it certainly pushed forward mindsets that became more and more divisive, dangerous, and just scary. And it, it's one of those things where the more that I started to look at the exhibit, the more I began to take in other elements of where creative facets had started to affect other things. Speaking about writing, the Diary of Anne Frank is probably the biggest thing that a lot of people were familiar with there. I'll be honest, I have never read it. It's definitely on my to-read list. I think that for a long time I would read a lot of fiction stuff because... You know, life can be hard enough as it is, but I was compelled to want to pick up the book and it is definitely on my Amazon wish list to pick up because I definitely want to read it. But that is a circumstance where this young woman, from the little bit that I know, and certainly anyone can correct me if I'm wrong on this, while she was hiding uh, with her family from the rest of the Nazis, wrote this diary. Now, I'm certain that she did not intend for it to ever be published or anything else like that, at least not initially or anything else like that. I don't believe that that was anything she thought about. And the fact that now, from what I understand, and I have spoken to a few people that, you know, of course, read it, they said, yeah, it's absolutely something that, you know, you're seeing somebody's personal thoughts and and their motivations for hope and all these other things. And um that could have only happened because somebody took the moment in their life to want to record what they were going through in a way, sort of like what I'm doing here, you know, but on a, and, and I, and I use that comparison only because I don't believe that she was somebody that thought, Oh my God, I'm going to write this diary and the whole world is going to know what we went through because of this. She probably had no idea if she was going to make it through the next day, much less a book that she was writing in. But I think that's a lot of, uh, that's also a whole other aspect that sometimes people don't realize. Ever since man has been on this planet, there have been records of people inventing languages, pictographs, um, 
drawing things, carving things, creating things to represent what they've seen in their life, commemorate moments. And no greater inventions in my mind have solidified that factor, at least for the most part, than the creation of things like the audio recorder and also the video recorder, as well as photography equipment for still photography. Those three aspects have allowed us and enabled us to capture moments, for better or for worse, from a certain perspective. Unfortunately, as time passes by, with less and less context to bear upon. I know this because I also used to buy a lot of old photos and things, and I would often wonder, who were these people? Where are they? Do those, does their family even know these photos exist? And I'll tell you guys about a story that I think I told this in one of the previous episodes, but it certainly connects to this. Um, <laughs> once again, at that same bar, I had left one night and on my way out, this, you know, you, when you work at these big entertainment districts, people are like out of, from out of town visiting and doing all these other things. They, um, somebody had dropped, I, I didn't know what I, what I had stuck to my boot. I remember leaving, I got something stuck to my boot. I was like, ah, oh, damn it, it's gum. And there's something stuck to it, but I was too tired, too angry and my feet hurt. So I walked two city blocks to my truck with this thing. I still have it. I'll tell you exactly what it is. I walked. I know I scuffed it up a little bit. I stopped to get some hot dogs on the corner from the from the late night vendor. It's like three o'clock in the morning or something crazy like that. Made it all the way down to the uh, to my truck and got there. Switched out to my other shoes because I hated wearing those things on the way home to drive. It just my feet hurt so bad. And as I was taking them off, I was lifting them up from where I was sitting and putting them over, like lifting them over where the stick, uh, where the gear shift is and placing it down. And I noticed there was like this little quick glint of blue, like this blue color. Like, what is this? It looked, I thought it was a poker chip or something that gotten stuck to the bottom of my, of my boot. I looked at it and it's an SD card. I was like, that's wild. And, um, and I'm a sucker for any little technology. I'm like, oh, I wonder what's on that thing. And, or like how bad that I jacked this thing up. And, uh, I, Managed to get it off of it, and it surprisingly came off. That gum had managed to protect the, <laughs> the connection points quite well. I didn't even really scuff up the uh, the card that badly, but I was like, man, that's crazy. Um, So, after that, I was like, all right, well, you know, I, I'm not going to mess with that right now. I you know, kind of wiggled a little, got it mostly off, but I was like, you know what, I'm just, I need to get home. And I think I ended up going to work. That was, I think, on a Sunday night that I worked that evening. And then so I, the next, I think it was like, it wasn't until Wednesday or Thursday of, the, of that week that I ended up really trying to get it off my boot. Because I'm like, oh, if I end up working again this weekend, I really just got to get that thing completely off there and clean off my boots. And I got it off and I thought, I, what are the chances of this thing actually works, right? And I messed with it and I cleaned it off a bit more, cleaned the contacts on it. Still didn't get around to putting it in there. And I think about another week and a half went by. By that point, I'm like, you know, I need to look on this because I need a spare card. If there's nothing on here, I'll just use it for some sort of backup or something. And maybe I can get it to work. I don't know. SD cards are pretty hardy. So I stuck it in my computer that I had at the time, the one prior to this one. And uh, sure enough, it fired up. And there's a folder in there, right? Looking around in there. And I'm like, holy crap, look at this. There was like, I think, if I remember right... 
I think it's 197 photos of two Caucasian ladies on vacation in India visiting what I believe was a young man that one of them was either married to, going to be married to, engaged to, or just a in a relationship of some kind with, maybe even a friend. I have no idea. Um, but there are photos of them riding elephants, eating, going on walks, and some extremely low-resolution video, <laughs> which, I mean, for the time that I found it at that point, you know, I, no no phone cameras or any handheld cameras were doing anything really much bigger than I think. Maybe 720 if you had a fancy one. 640 was probably the standard. And it's pretty choppy stuff, but there's audio and you can see some things on there. There's only a few videos, not very much. And I was floored. I was like, well, who, I, I wonder who these people are. I wonder if I saw them. I mean, clearly I did because I picked it up right outside a shark bar. So either they may have walked by and dropped it or if, you know, they were switching SD cards out of their camera or maybe who knows, right? Who knows? I very well could have been working at the door and they could have walked past me. I didn't remember seeing any of the people that were in the videos or in the photos at all. And for a while I had a web page up that was kind of like advertising. Hey, if you know these people, I have these things. These, these look like amazing memories from a time. And I, I'd like to get it back to them. You know, the SD card, thankfully I managed to copy all the stuff off. The SD card finally did give up the ghost and it no longer copies or does anything. But all of the images are still saved and they've been transferred to my new drives. And I've got other copies of them as well, too, just for safety. Because I always figured, hey, someday if I run across them, that would be nice to pass on. Now, the reason I told you that is because that's a circumstance where because of the advent of this, of the camera and stuff, here's a couple of people that had their memories, you know, saved in some part. And I imagine that to them, that was a very... That was worthwhile, right? Otherwise, why would they have taken the photos, the videos, that sort of thing? And people, you know, do that sort of stuff. I certainly do. I record. I, I make all kinds of videos and stuff. A lot of it, not for public consumption. It's just for my own personal records and just for, you know, my my travels, my very personal travels as like an artist and a creative and just trying to work through a lot of things like mental health. So I imagine that whenever things are found that are artifacts from people that ended up in Auschwitz or that suffered under the purge that happened in that area that we're very blessed and very lucky to even be able to have encountered these things. Honestly, I would much rather not have them and just have the people not have endured any of that, but that's a whole nother discussion. But on that note, there were also some stories I saw in there that really got to me. One was of a of a woman that when she was in the concentration camp, she held art classes. She did her best. They saved scraps. They did what they could. And she would teach kids art. She would do whatever she could to keep their spirits up in a period when hope was probably the furthest thing from anyone's mind. And then there were also stories of things like the people that ran the concentration camps telling people you have to keep these things clean. Your barracks is everything else like that. And the resourcefulness of people to come together and creatively think, even in the darkest of times, 
to prevent them from possibly being hurt or worse by their overseers. There was one story where women were, were able to, this one group of women that were in this one particular building managed to decide that one woman whose skirt, her dress was long enough, would cut off some of the hemming at the bottom, and they created a makeshift mop out of it to clean where they lived because they certainly weren't provided with any cleaning supplies and they were simply demanded to stay clean. And again, these are stories that were written down. There were bits of artwork influenced by stories told from survivors. Books have been written. Movies have been made. And even growing up, I remember, you know, comics like Fighting Man and things like that that dealt with World War II, and some of them also dealt with the real stories of Auschwitz. A lot of comic creators had family, had friends, or they themselves had served during the wars. And that sort of stuff made it over into popular media and became ensconced in a lot of our of what we grew up around. Now, the other part that I think at the end of it all, when I left the, when I left the exhibit, I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, <laughs> I was definitely emotionally drained and it was really hard. Um, I, I really have to hand it to the people that, that put this exhibit together at the end. There was quite, quite there was quite a, uh, quite a hard punch to the heart because at the end you see this footage that's playing on a loop. And there's like two or three scenes in particular, but it's people from that area of that area of Germany. A lot of the Poles and other people that from different cultures and different areas that were recorded. I take it this was before Germany invaded Poland, but it shows people laughing and playing, living life, going around where they can. And uh, doing, doing what they could. And I think that that hit me the hardest because when I was looking at it, all I could think to myself was like, you know, I am. Um, there are many times in life when I'll take time for granted, you know, and, and watching these people, I thought to myself, did, did, it, did any of you make it? Did any of you, what did you endure what did you go through? And I think that art, I know that art can be a powerful reminder in so many ways. And I don't just mean paintings and drawings and poetry and prose and written books. I mean, even the technological aspects of it that turn into a type of creative endeavor like photography and filming and all of those things, because you see, there was plenty of other stuff in there too, that was just as dark. There was even a book that talked about the incredible impact and how they, when, um, when the Nazi party was coming to power, the design behind their uniforms, which I'll be honest for any of you into pop culture, think of any fantasy stories, any science fiction stories, the majority of them have very SS Nazi-like 
enemies to them or factions that function in their form and look similar to that. Um, I'm, you don't even have to go that far to look for it. You can certainly look at, you know, the, the empire from star Wars, the, the first order, they have those elements in there, you know, for God's sake, stormtroopers, right? But that even goes to show how elements of design, the, the, the factors that were utilized to instill fear in people are also propagated and created. And that artwork, that illustration, that graphic design, that fashion design is all born from the same sort of thing. So even when people think that it's not something that art isn't necessary, it has its place. It's there all the time, even when we don't realize it. And, um, so I had, so that was, I had that experience as well too. Like, don't get me wrong. The overarching, the overreaching and all encompassing element that got to me was just when I left, I just, I didn't know what to do. I just, I, I really couldn't process a lot. Right. Because I was, I was upset. I was angered. I was, I, I can't believe like that humanity was capable of these things. I mean, I know that people can be cruel. I know that people can be horrifying and scary. I, I know that, right? I know this. We all do. But I also, the older, the older that I get, the more I begin to understand and appreciate the things in life that, that should have been apparent from when I was younger. And this show, this exhibit did a really good job in saying that we can never repeat this. We can never let this happen again. They, they didn't pull any punches on that. And I'm glad for that. So this is going to be one of my shorter ones. <laughs> it's coming in at 34 minutes, but I'm going to end with this. So um, the last thing I saw as I was on the way out, I actually took a photo of it. And uh, I'm going to use this as a replacement for the last thumbnail. I actually had a thumbnail set up, and it was actually the image of Auschwitz. And I thought, no, this this is wrong. This, this isn't a history podcast. This isn't that. Where I didn't really talk about all these elements from any other aspect than from like really the, the artistic factor of it. Um, but there was a beautiful moment in there and I really appreciated that somebody took the time to put this quote on the wall. So I'm going to go ahead and read it to you here. This is from a uh, survivor named uh, Charlotte Delba, who said this in 1971. You who are passing by, I beg you do something. Learn a dance step, something to justify your existence, something that gives you the right to be dressed in your skin, in your body hair. Learn to walk and to laugh because it would all be too senseless after all for so many to have died while you live doing nothing with your life. Sorry about the computer noise. <laughs> I, uh, I read that and it, I got a huge lump in my throat. I mean, 
depression, fear, anxiety, maybe even a sense of aimlessness or hopelessness can certainly be pervasive. And if anything, these last two years have certainly shown me that nobody is immune to it. Plenty of people try and bury it, but nobody's immune to it. There is something that did come out of all this, though, even beyond the art, that made me realize that I want to be the best person I possibly can be. And after that day, and this is sincere, I really took more note of how I interacted online, what I would post, what I would say, because I want to be more cognizant. I want to be more proactive to make sure that I'm doing the best that I possibly can, that I'm being the best person I can. It won't be an overnight change. It won't be anything more than me just trying every single day to do the best thing I possibly can. And that goes for even just being the best possible person for myself. Not just everybody else, but also living for myself and enjoying life and trying my best to be my best in every facet possible. Millions of people did not get a chance to live their lives out, and they were brutally cut short at this point in time in history. This is not the first time that there have been circumstances where a lot of people lost their lives. Those lives cut short could have been anything. We could have lost playwrights, artists, amazing accountants, financial people, even politicians that were good or decent, future, things that we'll never know. And that sort of thing did weigh on me, and it is right now still. Thanks, guys, for listening. I am Mario the Artisan Rogue. I hope you guys enjoyed this one, and I'll be back with another episode probably before the end of the month, trying to keep these things shorter. <laughs> I really do appreciate you guys that listen and everything else like that. Uh, means the world to me and I really do I really do mean that especially the, those of you that have talked to me at shows about this like it's crazy I, it's still nuts that people want to listen to this stuff so I really do appreciate that until then I will talk to you in the next episode